This is Women in Leadership Podcast, featuring success insights from women around the globe. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of Women in Leadership Podcast, which is brought to you by the Influence Alliance, which is the membership program for coaches and consultants who want to build a profitable and scalable business while also launch their thought leader podcast, launch and grow that so that they can make a much bigger impact in the world with their message. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, on today's show, my guest says there is enough craziness in the world today. She wants to bring some light into the darkness and joining me on on today's show is Cece Clary. Now, Cece, she is a producer. She is an actor. She's a former professional athlete, and she's currently serving on the development or as the development executive of Blue Water Lane Productions. Now, her work currently includes producing 40 Love, that was in 2021, to Leslie, 2022, and it was also developing The Flamingo Thief, and that's in 2022 as well. Now, prior to producing, Clary was a professional big wave uh, windsurfer and polo player. Now, taught by the Jaws crew of all people, Clary was one of the first women in the world to kite surf in Hawaii, and also she participated in the US Olympic trials for windsurfing in 2004. Amazing background. So on today's show, Cece is going to share why it's important to find the right people to work with, to avoid conflict between team members. So very important. Treat everyone how you want to be treated, as well as you don't have to act tough to get work done. Welcome to the show, Cece. Hi, thank you. What an amazing background from a professional uh, big wave windsurfer and polo player to now producing in incredible films and so forth. Um, take us back to, I mean, I know you're going to share lots of lessons and insights which we can, you know, adapt and adopt into our workplaces, but the transition from big wave windsurfer and polo player to what you're doing now. What were some of the, the steps that needed to be taken through that? Take us a little bit back on your journey, if you would, Cece. Oh, sure. It's it's actually very interesting. Um, when I was a big wave windsurfer, at that time, a lot of movies were coming to Hollywood, I mean, to uh, Maui. And I got hired to do a lot of stunt work. So I kind of was introduced that way. So that's, that's pretty much how I started. Yes. And what I would do is if I didn't get the talent job, the stunt work or the acting job or whatever it may be, I would just go to the production company and be like, can you hire me as a PA to go get coffee? I didn't care. And everyone's like, what are you doing? Yes. But that's how I learned. So from the bottom, I kind of just observed what area I might want to go into someday. So it kind of all started that way. Yeah. Amazing. Because, you know, when uh, I've spoken to a number of people, particularly in the industry that you're in, and it is so competitive. And when we look at the, you know, the, the gender equality, if you will, it is largely male dominated, isn't it? So for a woman to be in an, working in an industry and um, doing so successfully, there's obviously various steps and things that you've implemented. But what you have just said, uh, I recall others saying too, you know what, I just did uh, the jobs that were around. Um, and through that, you, you're supporting others, you're bringing value, obviously, and you're networking, you're getting known a around that. And so, okay, so you started to put your, your, your hand up for the different roles and, and projects. And was it then you got noticed? What, what was kind of the journey that took you into ha having conversations with some of those key decision makers? 
You know, it took a very long time. Like they say, an overnight success took about 20 years. I mean, it's kind of how it happened that way. And so I did, I did whatever jobs I could. On Maui, it, it was challenging because you just had to take whatever you could in the film business. So I got into scouting and locations. So that was like one segue. And I was always working with the directors and the producers because I'd take them around the island. And uh, I kind of stuck with that for a while. And then I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. And then I had an opportunity to produce a really small independent film. Unfortunately, that one did not work out uh, for various reasons. And then I got an opportunity about four years ago to develop, well, was Love 40, but now 40 Love. And uh, I, I took it and ran with it. It was a little daunting. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you know what I love about that? We can talk, we can talk about that in a moment because how many women and, and you know, because this is women in leadership, so we, we can um, kind of say, hey, we need to look at this through our lens. There's an opportunity that comes to us that, oh, no, I'm not ready for it. No, 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 I need to learn more, need to be more, you know, all of those different things. But I love how you said I just, I you know, just took it and ran with it. I'm sure there's some great lessons and insights. One of the things that you said, you know, you did a lot of different tasks and it was an overnight 20-year success. But I'm sure if you look back to the roles that you are now, you know, in production and the leadership roles, would you say that you're a better person to be able to now support the team, find the right people because of all of the experiences that you've had throughout as you were, you know, working your way up the ladder, so to speak? Is that a fair comment to? to... Um, yes. Well, I was smart about it. The first six months, I was not very smart about it. I, I was trying to figure it out myself. I wasn't going to friends I know that are insiders. I know personally, not through the business. And I should have called them earlier. I was just too embarrassed to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> mm. And once I started calling my mentors who are wonderful, things fell into place and the right team was put together. Yes. Uh, the first person I interviewed, Jason Schumann, he's awesome. Uh, I've been working with him now on Two Leslie as well. I've worked with him for quite, ever since that day. I interviewed him through my friend, Ben Odell. Uh, he works with Lionsgate mostly. And once I started working with uh, Jason and uh, Eduardo Cisneros, yeah, everything fell into place because they've been doing this for a really long time. Yeah. So I wish I had done that earlier instead yeah. of being like too proud or embarrassed to be like, I need to surround myself with people that know what they're doing and, and, and be not scared to say, I know what I don't know. Yeah. I think that's the most challenging thing for someone in my position is just yeah. being humble about it and being like, okay, surround myself with the right people. Mm. You know, it's interesting you to say that, uh, Cece. I have found that through all of the conversations that I've had over the years with women who've been in leadership and even men, but men men tend to network and do that far more naturally, I think. And one of the greatest lessons that I've learned through in interviewing women uh, who now are in senior leadership roles was that they surrounded themselves, they sought the people out and they went. And, and it was, I don't need to know everything uh, I just need to find someone who does know and and get that support, get that mentoring. And uh, I think once we get over the fact that we don't actually need to know everything, surround ourselves with the right people, we can um, achieve things so much quicker because we don't have to make the same mistakes and go through the same pitfalls because they can direct us to, to that. And, of course, that's what you've done. And one of my questions you've already answered, mm. would there be something that you would have done a lot sooner had you been given the chance? And I'm sh sure that it sounds like you would have reached out to some of the now mentors that you have surrounding us. I'm going to ask you a question and it may sound bizarre. However, for some women, um, it, it's daunting to approach someone. 
how do you ask someone in a way that is a win-win? Does that make sense? What are some insights as to reach out, find the right person and then ask them, you know, for that support? Uh, yes, I, I've, I've just been very lucky. The people I've been working through, the, you know, quote unquote mentors, they just surround me with the right people. And I, I'm not embarrassed to say I don't understand this. I'm like, I just want to learn this part of the business I don't know and get the advice. Uh, as far as networking, I've just been lucky because we all hang out as friends. So mm. it's just sort of just a big group. You know, I, the people I work with, I also socially hang out with. So, yeah. you know, it, it's been easy for, for me once I found my kind of team. Yes. Uh, prior to that, it was really hard to break in. I mean, I was just hitting walls left and right. Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting anywhere. Yeah. And once I did I'm that. I want to this a little bit because here's, you know, sometimes people say to me, I've just been really lucky. Uh, and look, and, and it may seem that, but there's things that they've done. Sometimes it's things that they bring quite naturally. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that when we understand someone's approach to things and their attitude to certain things, we can to a certain degree model that as we're stepping forward. So if you look back to what was happening prior to surrounding yourself with this great team of mentors, and it sounds like when we're talking about mentors and mentorship, it doesn't necessarily need to be this whole, you know, 12 month long thing with a, you know, a, a structured framework of mentoring. It could just be, hey, I'm not sure about this. Can you give me some insight? So it was informal too, but the information that was shared to you was helpful in increasing your understanding and appreciation of how things um, need to get done. So if you look back to what was happening and you were hitting that brick wall to starting to surround yourself, can you reflect on some of the things that changed for you, even if it was kind of an internal change, a mindset change? What what do you think some of those things were? Oh, gosh, I just felt so much better. I mean, I, I was just so exhilarated because I felt like I didn't know what I was doing when I wasn't with the right people. Yeah. And once I did, it opened a whole nother world. And I had confidence, you know, in, in what I was doing. I wasn't a crazy person to take on, you know, producing films. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it, I, something definitely changed. Yeah. So in, in other aspects of, of what I'm hearing and, and or understanding what you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, it was that change in attitude. It was recognizing what do I need to know? Because there was uncertainty and un, un clarity on certain things and not being afraid or ashamed for the fact and saying, hey, I need support and then asking. I think right. sometimes, yeah, fantastic. So ask, find out what don't you know, uh, ladies, if there's something that you think, oh, I would love to do this. What don't you know? Who do you know that knows that? Go and ask them. Have a coffee with them. Take them out to lunch. Um, is there some way that you can reciprocate? Is there something that, you know, maybe you can offer them as a ask and a give kind of an aspect? I love that. That's so important. And I would say that that is something that has never quite gone away for you, Cece. Is that something that you continue to do as you grow and learn? I do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry I, if I interrupted you. Uh, yes, you know, I, I've just, I'm a natural networker. I'm just a social person. So that part of it's easy for me. And everyone's been great connecting, uh, you know, uh, Alex Brumner at UTA, he's amazing. Uh, my producing partners introduced me to him. And ever since then, you know, they've been great at selling the movies and, or getting them out there, that sort of thing. 
Um, they've been a great support system. Uh, the, you know, they're kind of like a family, the way they all operate. So it, it just all sort of happens naturally. It's, uh, but, yeah. it, but it's just meeting that first person and connecting yourself with that first person, then it just sort of dominoes from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Relationships, I think, are just so important, aren't they? And it sounds like the relationships that you have, you really value them. And they're not just professional relationships. There's also friendships there as well. And, um, yeah, I think that that's so important. Even more so now, I think the the collaborations, the opportunities that uh, are possible when we realise just how much opportunity that's there in the first place and having a conversation, who knows where that will lead. So I love that. Thank you for having a, a bit of a play there and unpacking that because for someone, I, I've, I've said this numerous times, I'm an extroverted introvert, put a microphone in front of me and I'm happy to chat and ask good questions. We'll dive in all sorts of different <laughs> ways. But if you put me in a networking group uh, team or environment and there's a lot of people, there's just no way. I will either, If I really needed to force myself, it doesn't come naturally. Um, I'm more of an introvert that way, quite shy. And that's often when I say that to people like oh you're not are you I actually am so it's nice to be able to hear from someone who it's natural as a, a networker let's talk about why it's so important to find the right people to work with so that you can avoid conflict between team members this is so important isn't it oh it's so important actually Ben O'Dell taught me this from day one it, he calls it the enemy of production and it could be anybody on a movie set, but one bad apple can kind of, you know, even if you if you start from the top, the director, the producers are all lovely. There's always somebody that causes a problem and it affects everybody. And then it affects your work culture. So I, I forget the name of the book. Uh, I think it's called, uh, oh, some, I forget the name of the book, but anyhow, he writes about that in the book. Mm-hmm. And his professor at Columbia wrote the book and, there's a whole aspect of that. And so I went into that knowing that and I wouldn't have known that. And then I started to be able to identify it pretty quickly. Mm. And, you know, it's never fun having to fire someone. Uh, it always makes me feel terrible. But as yes. a female leader, you have to identify a problem like that and you have to take care of it. And it doesn't even matter who it is on a set. It could be anybody. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, th- that's been a little challenging. But it's good to know. Yeah, the work culture. Yeah, it's, it's something that um, you know we often hear as a saying. You know, you are only as strong as your weakest link, and if that weakest link is there, and in this case, a team member who is causing disruption, it can infiltrate, can it, throughout the entire team? That eventually everybody is not being able to work to their best. So right. obviously. Terminating, firing that person is certainly an option, but I'm sure there are certain things that you do prior to that. Um, I, I guess having discussions a- around that, seeing what can be done. Maybe that person may not necessarily have certain, you, you know, things that they're aware of. What are some steps that you take before that to until you get to that stage mm-hmm. where you've all exhausted all avenues and then finally look, this is just not a a good fit, we're going to have to let you go. What are some other things that you do? Uh, Usually, you know, someone will have a chat. Uh, You know, one of the producing partners that, you know, is very good at that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, usually we just have one person talk with them and then, you you know, usually put something in writing that there's a warning type of thing. 
uh, for whatever reason. So you, you don't just fire someone off the bat. You just usually give, you know, you give them a chance to, to change it. Yes. Yeah. And I guess it's also to finding the right people uh, to begin with as, as well. Sometimes, you know, but there's a, you, you can have all of the right processes in place, but there could be someone that that gets in there that just doesn't gel with the rest of, of the team. Mm-hmm. I think it's better because sometimes as women, we don't want to we don't want to approach confrontation. We just hope, look, let's just hope that it it sorts itself out but as leaders of our team we need to step forward don't we and 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 role yes. model that and um if there's something that's going on it's better to deal with that as soon as we can isn't it some of the things that uh, i i've heard works really well as as well as is pulling someone aside having a private conversation rather than openly and in, in front of of people are there some specific things that you do as part of that conversation with that person that has worked really well over the years for you uh yes I, that's the way to do it is all private because you don't want to make anyone feel badly or you know it's got to be a, a side conversation so that's the way to do it. I don't like it when people do it in front of, you know, an entire office or a crew. Yes. I mean, that's just not, that's not the way to do it. And I know some people do it that way, but I don't believe in that, that approach. Yeah. Are there some things that you do prior that allows you to establish the boundaries? Because sometimes as leaders, we can assume, you know, common, I've realized, Cece, and I don't know about you, common sense is not that common anymore. <laughs> I don't it's not know common. Was, is it? <laughs> and we can assume that someone knows how to treat others with respect. How do we have conversations that allows a win-win outcome rather than a very confrontational, you, you know, I'm the boss, you've got to do what I say kind of thing? Because that doesn't really work, uh, especially with what everybody's gone uh, through over the last number of years. There's a lot more aspects that has impacted people. Uh, so are there things that you set up right at the onset that establishes boundaries, key boundaries, and and how we treat one another? Well, you know, I think it starts at the top. Uh, I've been very lucky to work with the directors I work with. They are just really, really kind, humble. I mean, they treat everyone so nicely. I'll give you a good example. Uh, Fred Wolf and I, when we were doing 40 Love, he and I were in the casting room every day. And it was really stressful because we were on tech scouts all over the city. Then we'd have to run back to Christie Street casting. And then we'd have to literally cast, I, I don't know, see maybe 20 people a day. And he had a rule, everyone gets their 10 minutes. And even if we don't think they're right, we're going to make them feel better walking out of that room, yes. which is really kind. You know, so if you have leaders like that at the top, uh, whether they're male or female directors, whomever, if they have that attitude, it, it just changes everything. And same with Michael Morris. He's one of the best directors I've ever worked with. He's so kind and just so hardworking and so humble. And uh, he understands humanity. Mm. So, you know, I've just been lucky to be working with these people. And that sets the tone. Because yes. that's who everyone's looking up to. And then I treat people the same way. Every time I go on a set, the first thing I do is I introduce myself to the Teamsters, to the craft service you know, uh, area to the grip state electricians, because we can't do this, any of these movies without them. Mm. And um, I'm always very grateful. I mean, they're the first ones there and last to leave, Mm. you know, and um, 
And, and I love that usually segues into that second point, you know, treat everyone how you want to be treated. I can't remember where whether where I heard this, whether I read this, but it was for a large organisation and a very large organisation and someone was talking to some of the team members who were the plumbers who worked in the, in the basement of the particular building. I think it was from NASA, it's coming back. And these people were all passionate you know, all of the plumbers and all of the cleaners, all of them. And when someone says, well, what is it that gets you up in the morning? He's, and he said, because we support the team that sends people to the moon. And as you said, from top down, every single person from the cleaners to, you know, everyone on set in, in your in your field, they are contributing team members. It doesn't matter if they're face of camera or whether behind the cam- camera or in front of the camera, mm-hmm. uh, everybody plays a, a role. And if you take their expertise or and their tasks and what they're doing away, it, it affects everyone. And so I think is from um, what I'm hearing is you as a leader, if you set the tone, if you role model what you expect others to do, it infiltrates and what a what an impact you can make on someone's day if you do say hello to them or they've done something and you say, I oh, really you compliment them, you know? It it makes mm-hmm. a huge difference, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And I have to say, both uh 40 Love, I had so many people come up to me and say, This is one of the best sets I've ever worked on. Because we just made it positive and yeah. you know, that was pre-COVID, so that was a little different. And we had a great set too for to Leslie. We shot that during COVID. So it was a little tense. Um, LA was shut down, but luckily they let us still film. And it was really, really stressful. I mean, everyone was a little tense. I'd wake up in cold sweats, you know, because we'd had to get tested three times a week. And I was like, oh gosh, is someone going to come back positive and we'll have to shut down? Or uh, So that was a little, but it was a great set. I mean, we all got along and, uh, you know, Michael Morris, he took it from the top. I mean, people emulated how he acted and, I mean, I did what I normally do and go introduce myself to everyone. And it it was positive. It's just, uh, I think with the COVID thing, that was just a little stressful for everyone. Yeah. So, you know, we had to all be, we had to eat at separate tables (laughs) for our lunch breaks. We had our director's chairs like six feet apart. (laughs) I mean, the things that we have gone through over the last two years or so, uh, well, it's getting into the third, isn't it now? Uh, I mean, we really do need to give ourselves t- space and grace and, and give ourselves a pat on the back, I think, because we have gone through so much change, so much uncertainty, and I know that uh, in normal circumstances there are challenges, aren't there? But when you add over and over again the uncertainty of what, if, by the sounds of things, every single day can bring something that's quite unique. And sometimes as leaders, yes. we do like that. We do like those challenges. But every now and again, it's a we'd love to have a day where, you know, nothing happens other than what we planned it to happen. So Right. Well, um, there's an interesting story about challenges. I was, uh, we were actually, before we picked up to Leslie, we were actually in pre-production for The Flamingo Thief. And our two lead actors uh, decided not to do it last minute. No problem. I, mean, I, I don't blame them. But we were already in pre-production. We had offices. I, I Oh, and I was doing a reshoot for 40 Love during COVID, one-day reshoot. I was in quarantine in my apartment. I get the call. I'm like, what? Like, the movie's off. You can't do it without the two lead actors when you're already in production or uh. pre-production. So 
I had 48 hours, my producing partners and I, we read 11 scripts over 48 hours. And then we found two Leslie. And it, it was amazing. I mean, we, we read so many of them. Like, okay, guys, which one? And then it was already kind of packaged with um, the director and some of the actors. So I just took the entire team from Flamingo Thief and just moved them over to two Leslie. <laughs> I mean, and then we, had, and two weeks later, we were in pre-production on that. Wow. Yeah, we shot it all through COVID. So yeah. you never know, a challenge can be good. I mean, it was very stressful. I, that's when I could have just been like, forget it. I throw my hands up in the air. Closing the door for a while. I'm just, I just take some time off. You know what's interesting about that? I mean, I think as leaders, we also need to know um, the capacity at which we're operating. And I think this is a, a beautifully segues into the next point. You don't have to act tough to get work done. You know, I think sometimes as leaders, there's a certain decorum that we do need to to, to share. It, it's, it's almost like, you know, the captain of the boat. It's going down and he knows or she knows it's going down. But if you panic and completely lose it, it's going to infiltrate throughout the rest of the team. So there's a level of where you do need to just keep, you know, hold the space and say, yes, we are going to get off the ship because blah, blah, blah. blah. Uh, however, there's also a level, I think, of just allowing others to know that, you know, we don't all have it together, always have it together. Mm -hmm. We are not struggling, but just would love some support around that. How do you navigate between those two things, CC? Well, that's a good analogy. I used to be a big sailor, so I understand that analogy. You know, whenever I had a sailing situation, got to stay calm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes you just have to be easy on yourself. Sometimes I, I regret how I handled a certain situation. Maybe I wasn't as calm as I should have been. Mm. Uh, I'm learning to just not you know, catch that before that happens and then it does. But sometimes you're in a situation where it's just like panic. Yeah. And uh, and sometimes I've realized too, there's miscommunications where, <laughs> and usually I'll catch, I'll be like, oh, this is just a miscommunication between you two. This is no big deal. You know, that sort of thing. Just kind of mm -hmm. looking at the big picture before you, instead of just like knee jerk act reacting. Yes. So yeah. and I think I did that at the beginning. I think I did a more knee jerk mm -hmm. reacting. Yeah. Well, something that you just said there, I, I want to just pick up on and highlight because I think that is so important to recognise from our team as well. Uh, so often as leaders, we're quite direct. There are things that we need to get done. And in situations where there is stress or there is potential, um, like the analogy of a, of a sinking ship, there may be someone on the team that requires a little bit of finessing and so forth. And it's like, this is a time where I have no time to finesse. This is <laughs> right now we can finish yeah, right. kind of thing but it's recognizing um the styles the communication preferences of our team and being to adapt that way but also i think there's also a way in how we approach it i kind of like to bring humor um here in australia i think we're a little bit like the uk people um yeah in england too we can be a little bit sarcastic in our approach too and we don't mind um what's the term, bringing the um, kind of joking at ourselves. And I some, I'm, I do that not because I'm um, kind of putting myself down because, look, you know, you can say what you like about me. That I don't, doesn't worry me because I know who I am. But uh, sometimes showing yourself is a bit of a um, 
you know, an instance, I can't even think of an example, it allows other people to kind of relax a little bit as well. Does that make sense? Or if you bring humour into that as well. Do you use that kind of approach sometimes too with your team to navigate them through challenging situations? I do. And luckily, you know, everyone I work with has a really good sense of humour. So, yeah, we, we laugh and joke about yeah. keep it light. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Everyone's got a great sense of humour. So, you know, so I think that's sounds- important. Yeah, it sounds to me like you and the the people, your mentors as well, uh, one of their core values is fun. You know, we can all be serious and there's time for seriousness, but there's an element of fun too. And if something happens and that is just out of our control, let's have a laugh about it. Uh, What's the learning from this? What's the lesson? How can we move forward? And so the next time something like this happens, we're better prepared to be able to do that. And sometimes you've just got to go, all right, that's a project that didn't uh, quite come out, as in your instance, and now, of course, that's opened up to uh, the silver lining and now having another um, movie that uh, you're now working on with your team. I've loved today's conversation, Cece. Thank you for uh, sharing some of the snapshots into what you do, um, you know, how you handle things, and it can be an insight to how we may approach in our leadership role, whatever capacity that may be, whatever industry, we may be able to adopt some of those things. If people want to find out a little bit more about you, connect with you, reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I have a website. They can just, uh, you can just Google my name, uh, ccclery.com. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And it has all my information. Is there any, would there be one last tip or or insight or maybe it's something that you've already said that you want to repeat one more time because you think it's so important to a woman who is, has heard your story and think, you know what, I've for many years have had the goal or I would love to, to be A, B and C, you know, in my area of, of leadership within my industry. What would be that one last insight that you would share with her, CC to empower her to take that step in 2022 to follow, follow that dream? I would say, you know, if, if someone's passionate about something and but they're scared because they just don't know how to do it or they don't know the right connections, reach out, find a mentor, you know, just be able to admit you know what you don't know and not be embarrassed by it. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you actually stronger. Uh, There's no way I would have gotten to where I am if I hadn't started reaching out to people that knew more than I knew. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd still be seeing where I was four years ago. Being like, how come I couldn't get this movie made? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And, you know, you realize you do need a team around you, don't you? Yes. You cannot do everything yourself. You cannot possibly know everything yourself. And surrounding yourself with the right team members um, is so important. So, so important. Well, thank you once again. It's been a delight speaking with you. All of the you best, too. all of the productions uh, and uh, coming up this year. And thanks once again for coming on the show. Well, lovely to meet you. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by TheInfluenceAlliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com slash podcast series.